Faculty Podcast brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name's Scott Redd. I'm president here, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Dr. Tommy Keene, Grace Utanto, and Peter Lee. And we're continuing on today in our discussion of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, finally. Finally. So we've done our intro to the Lord's Prayer, just kind of talking about some of the issues that arise, and now we're going to dive into what the Shorter Catechism calls the preface of the Lord's Prayer, the the uh, the, the salutation, as it were, where we address God in heaven with our prayer. And how does it go? Our Father, who art in heaven, that's it. That's it. That's it. That so that's it. We just it. did it. Pater, Himon, Ha, and Toys, Nice. In the Greek, there we nice. go. I can't do it in the I can't do it in the Syriac. Uh huh. So, brothers, what does it mean? What's the value of this? This is kind of a, you know, it's a point to be made that in the Old Testament you have family metaphors for covenant relationship, but you don't get a lot of God being referred to as Father, right? As Abba, right. as Pater. So here we have it. Here we yeah, have God it, being called, addressed as yeah. Father. It does happen, but it's not that common. It's not the primary metaphor in the Old Testament. You get much more husband and wife language about God and his people. But here we get Father language. What are we supposed to do with that? It's interesting. We, I, you, I think you, you're right. We, there is Father language mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Um, you know, Israel is a son. Out of yeah. Egypt I called my son. Mm-hmm which we were talking about quite extensively in the pre, mm-hmm. pre-recording. pre That's the conceit of the ex- exodus early on is, Israel is my firstborn son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let him come out to the desert and worship me. That's that's all that Pharaoh's got to do is just let Israel go worship in the desert because he's his son. Yeah, but it's clearly metaf- it's clearly metaphorical. It's, mm-hmm. it's relationship shaping. It's shaping the way Israel is to think about the relationship with God, like husband, wife, um, uh the relationship between a deity and that deity's nation is another mm-hmm. set of Old Testament imagery there that kind of is relationship shaping, covenant language, king, vassal. I mean, I'm on your turf, turf guys, but mm-hmm. you've got a lot of these thematic ways of shaping the, how Israel is to think about their relationship. But you're right. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of New Testament or, excuse me, Old Testament directly addressing God as Father. Right. I mean, it, it's subtle. Uh, well, actually, uh, the, the the most explicit language that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, Covenant of David stuff, mm-hmm. where, like in Psalm 2, uh, 2 Samuel 7, uh, the, the text will say, the, the covenant language will say that the day of this Davidic... Um, uh, descendant, when he is coronated as king, he will become my son, implying that I will be his father. Mm. So uh, I, I can't recall if the word father occurs there, but definitely the image of yeah, sonship occurs there. Uh, so that clearly implies God as father to this Davidic uh, descendant who is now his son. Um so in one sense, some of the more explicit uses in the Old Testament of father language is very kingship language. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think for that reason, a lot of son of God language that we read in the Bible 
even into the New Testament at times, is just in other terms of royalty. Yeah. Um, so th- it, it is a little more narrow, at least some of those uh, uses in the old. When we get to the Lord's Prayer, I don't get the sense that it's that narrow. It's probably a little broader at that stage. It's, I think that's the interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer is if if we're going from the Aramaic, if Jesus is praying in Aramaic, we're praying, yeah, probably in Aramaic, right? He's, he's, we've got pater for Abba. So he, he is praying to his father and encouraging us as his followers, disciples, to approach his father as father. There's actually, I think we should talk about this too. There's a lot embedded in the hour there, our father, um, mm-hmm. which we heard about from Alex Singh. Alex Singh. Um, I found that fa- discussion fascinating. So, I mean, there's just actually these, there's just two words, but there's just a lot embedded here. And I think from an Old Testament perspective, bringing in that language where fatherhood is particularly associated with kingship, hmm. you've got a really yeah. interesting opening that Jesus provides. Suddenly, mm-hmm. there's a, this democratization of fatherhood. It's not just the king who is the son of the Lord God, which makes sense in an ancient Near Eastern context. That's very typical for the kings to be sons of God and, and titled such. Jesus is the unique son of God, Davidically, yeah. the true Israel, and then also true Adam, and also second person, so son of God in multiple senses, yeah. and then as such, draws his disciples together and says, now we're all going to go yeah, to God the, as our Our uh, um, uh, pronoun, the our in our Father, does have a kind of union with Christ idea. Yeah. We mm-hmm. are uh, children of God because of our union with Christ, who is the true Son of God. Right, and, right. and it's only because of that that we can actually use that our pronoun. Without Christ, we couldn't. Absolutely. And we get, it, it, it is striking right away. It doesn't say, the Lord, Jesus doesn't say, pray, dear Father of Jesus, who art in heaven. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, our Father. He, he invites us in. Yeah. And in, in line, I mean, I think you see this showing up in ways in the Psalter where you have this kind of fluid movement between the king leading in worship of the priest and then the people. There's this fluid back and forth. So we see that kind of representative dynamic in the Old Testament. But clearly in the New, now we see what we'll, lay, what we'll see elsewhere explicitly, I think, like John 17, Father, let, th- let them be in us as I am in you and yeah. you are in me. This kind of bringing in the union with Christ that we see throughout the New Testament. That now we're count as, counted as Christ and we come before the Father in heaven, even us Gentiles, come before the Father in heaven as if you're coming in with the, with, with the, the person of Christ before you. And there is a real, you know, the Abba title uh, spirit and of sonship. The, the spirit of sonship, but it's also, you know, the Aramaic Abba um, seems to suggest that, you know, the way that Jesus referred to God as Abba, mm-hmm. we now also can use the same right. language. You know, I can't help but to wonder if the reason why he reverts or why Paul reverts to the Aramaic there is to show that the same language term yeah, that Jesus used, we can now use. Mm. And that's why uh, it's, so this is, you know, Jesus' mother tongue, mm-hmm. we can use the same exact word in referring to God as our Abba, well, you see. And in multiple ways, right, because it's not just a change of status, though it is that, 
but it's actually the spirit of Jesus, to use Paul's language and soteriology. It's the spirit of Jesus that is the spirit of sonship saying it within us, right? Mm-hmm. As we say it, we are saying it as sons. And that that's uh, and that's so meaningful if you stop to really think about what that means. You, you know, as you know, Scott, the um, general view that's out there and what Abba means is true in a sense, but it it's it's yeah, lacking like that like crystal. Daddy, sen- Abba as daddy. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask, yeah. what's the general meaning that you're, you're identifying here? That's one. Yeah. That's one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a common. It's a common sermon trope that uh, that we've heard, you know, is that Abba is this you know, is kind of child speak for father. Um, you know, the evidence for that isn't great. Uh, I think we could we, we could also point out that Abba is just the common way in Aramaic to say father, and it seems as if it's translated in that passage, Abba, Pater. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a common way of speaking. However, it isn't int- all the intimacy that you're trying to get at by saying mm-hmm. that Abba means daddy. All that intimacy is there, mm-hmm. right? Because this is Jesus crying out. To his father, right, yeah. in that intimate relationship, yeah. and yet we should also remember that the kind of pr- prevailing metaphor is there is is one of a king father, right? right? Which which the prayer shows you is what, what's going on there too, because what does it say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come instantly. Yeah. We go to kingdom. Yeah, and we mentioned the Alex Sang lecture that just took place a couple of weeks ago. One yeah, of the things that. Yeah, one of the things that you brought out from that. And that, and that will be available, uh, hopefully, the coming when this comes out, around that time, that'll be available yeah. on YouTube. You can check out our channel there and the RTS right. Washington channel and watch this excellent lecture. Yeah, it was fantastic. And one of the things that you brought out from this uh, preface to the Lord's Prayer is the importance of understanding the dual natures of Christ. Mm. Because when he's saying, Our Father who art in heaven, he's actually emphasizing that he has a common human nature with us. And it's important to remember that for Christ to pray that to God the Father, he needs a human nature. Mm. Um, he couldn't do that with respect to his divine sonship precisely because they have a singular will so that the divine son does not pray to the divine father right. because that would presuppose a multiplicity of wills as if the, the son has a will to pray to another who has another will, namely the father. So the fact that he's saying our father who are in heaven and, and he's joining us and he's inviting us to pray in that way presupposes that human nature and therefore he prays through the human nature so it's a submission of the human will to the divine will rather than to the submission of the divine son's will to the father's will um, that's good that's helpful and that, that's, that's important because people would would, would try yeah, to project good. that human obedience and human prayer to jesus of jesus to the divine um, sonship of jesus which doesn't work at all because he needs a human nature in order to submit and in order to pray and in order to be united with us. In order to be united with us, that's right. And therefore, he can represent us because he has a common human nature as us. It's such a, it's such a really, yeah, it's such a really surprising phrase, our Father, that I, that we miss. And the conventional standards have got it. I mean, they build a lot of theological implications of that. Right. But um, pastorally, theologically, there's just so much going on there. I mean. I just think about the ways that the alternative ways that Jesus could have done it. We could have gotten rid of Father, you know, right. our Lord, Creator, um, Creator um, oh great Master, you yeah, know, all that kind of stuff. So it, there's that intimacy that comes from the Father. You know, as you pointed out, you know, Daddy is exegetically wrong, but perhaps dubious. The, there's, dubious. A, there's a grain of truth. Yeah. But yeah, but that intimacy is definitely there. That's not there with just Lord. Um, yeah, or king, or right. king, he could have done, "O oh, Father, O oh, Father who art in heaven," uh, or, "Your here's how you should pray," and mm-hmm. it's you plural, you know, um, "My Father, 
or just father, but it's our father, which yeah. has all that kind of language that that Trinitarian and also union with Christ language that's associated with that. And it also forces us to pray corporately. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to think about when I say our father and not just my father, I have to think that I'm praying this prayer, even if I'm praying it in private, I'm praying it with brothers and sisters. Yeah, yep. that's great. Yeah, the communion of saints. Yep. Yeah. It's such an important part when people talk nowadays about how's your, you know, how's your prayer life? We immediately go to me privately praying, yeah. right? I think that's kind of the general response as opposed to how well am I praying when we're gathered together as a church, mm-hmm. as a community group, as a family, but right. praying together, you know? Well, and, and am I cognizant even if I'm in private? Yeah. Now, Her- Herman Mitzias makes this point that it's the, even when we're praying, praying privately, we're praying corporately, yeah. which I think is really a profound, you know, when I go to God and ask for a bike for me, am I thinking about my brothers and sisters? You know, yeah. it, it, it shifts the way, if I'm, if I'm always a part of a family yeah, when I pray, cool. it shifts the way I think about what I'm asking from my father. And that's another thing that Seng's lecture really brought out was that how much of our ideas of private, public, corporate, subjective, subjective, objective is really dependent on our language in our philosophical yeah. context, right? He was trying to make the point that like, in the Chinese language, it's almost impossible um, to think about myself in a purely subjective private way as we would in the English language. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was great. Because the Chinese connotation of the pronoun, of the, the personal pronoun, is always corporate in character, right? And so um, perhaps we've probably incorporated some more modern post-enlightenment individualistic sort of ideas about prayer life into our notion of prayer. Absolutely. Rather than actually understand that this is, in fact, corporate, not just revelatorily speaking, but also corporate in ways that other cultures could recognize in a ways that, that challenge our own subjectivist Western context. And, and most yeah. of the worship that we see in Scripture is corporate. I mean, there are those right. instances about, you know, about praying privately, right. presenting yourself, right, as, as a worker who's been faithful. Yeah. But most of what we see is the congregation, right. right? In the Old Testament, the congregation. In the New Testament, the ecclesia, and the people church that have praying together. Personal Bibles on their phones That's or right. their own personal copies, right? They needed to go to a public hearing of Scripture yeah. as Scripture is and being to, read. And to respond to that with prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So when we come to the Lord, our Father, who art in heaven, there's a lot, there's a lot going into that, uh, into that language. And yeah. it's, it's not just one of intimacy, though it includes that. It's not just one of family and inheritance, though it includes that. It's also one of cosmic global kingdom, Yeah. right? And as we're coming to Before the Father, we, I, I think that those elements help us do that and, and start us off with a particular tone of love, right, of, of intimacy, but mm-hmm. also of reverence and awe. And and of, of that union with Christ that, yeah, you know, it— it's not unprecedented to think of God as Father before this prayer, but it is as Jesus prays it as the Son that we see this new union that, that we can take advantage of. There yeah. is a new level of, mm-hmm. of intimacy. This is before he's risen, before he's ascended to his Father, but he's, I think, preparing his disciples and then us for this new era yeah. of of the fatherhood of God in the relationship with his people. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Amen. Well, thanks, guys. We've got a good beginning here to our discussion of the Lord's Prayer. Delved into the preface. Uh, we will be reading it with the confession and the catechisms, and um, we'll try to be drawing attention to how the, how the prayer has been used. Not merely what it means in Scripture, but what it means in church history, what it means about our theology and our own application and relevance for life today. So we'll be doing that over the course of this series. But we're looking forward to doing it with you. So thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or comments for the group, you can go ahead and post them at the show notes link. And if you're interested in learning more about RTS Washington or RTS in general, you can go to rts.edu or you can go to rts.edu forward slash Washington. And we'd love to start that conversation with you if you're interested in coming to some of our evening lectures like that one that we talked about with Dr. Alex Sang. Um, we had another one earlier with Dr. Kurt Thompson talking about mental health in the church. And we've got a lot of events coming up this spring as well. So if you'd like to know more about that or just how to take classes, reach out to us at rts.edu forward slash Washington. Look forward to being with you all again next year, next year, next week. It's just the beginning of the year. And I'm already thinking about 2025. You're, you're, you're a visionary. Cla- classic president. Yeah, always that's thinking right. about Looking at the far horizon. The Very good. Look forward to being with you all again next week. Until then, take care. Recite it in Syriac with me. <laughs> awesome. Remember we used to do that? That would be awesome. We had to recite the Avon, as it's called. Avon Vashmaya. Yeah. I'm but a mere pleb. Mm-hmm. Do you not know any Syriac? I don't know. I, I actually, I'm forgetting now. I talked about dream oracles last night in prophet's class. Akkadian dream oracles. Oh, the okay. dream interpretations. Remember we having a, a... No, no, the omen. Omen interpretations. With the animal extinct species. All right. Yep. That's fun. Remember how bad the handwriting is, though. Those, yeah, those, um, those. yeah I, I studied them. They are the dream. Yeah. They are dreams. They're, they're, dream, they're dreams. Dream, dream interpretations. They are omens. They have the if thens. But those if thens, yeah. you have the thousands and thousands right, of them. Right. Yeah.